0: Let's pray together. Dear Lord, we call on you now. For some of us who uh, maybe resist calling you or just don't want to call on you, I pray that your Holy Spirit would overwhelm their hearts where they'd see their need. We'd see our need to call on you knowing that you will answer. You're answering right now. So often it's it's the things that compete for our time. Uh, worries, anxieties, job, marriage, no marriage, what we're doing this afternoon, pleasure, leisure, just compete where we can't uh, hear what you're saying. But you do answer. So... Pray that we'd hear your answer now, not just for our families, or for our dreams, or for the marriages that we may be in, but we'd hear your answer for our lives, and let our lives be given over and defined by your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ, our Lord. He has changed everything, and he will change everything. Thank you for the answer that we have in him. Amen. Thank you all. Have a seat. Uh, Get comfortable, but not too comfortable. And turn to Ephesians chapter 5. That is where we will be this morning. So we're in this series that uh, is really directly connected to what Dobby spoke about, Rise with God. And that's how do I know God? Now, for some, it's like, how how do I know God? Uh, for others, it is questions attached to that. Like, how do, how do I know, God, that you're working uh, in my life? How do I know, God, that you're, that you're actually talking right now to me? How do I know, God, that you're, you're leading me and I'm not just, just wondering? How, how do I know God? So it is tied with our personal walk relationship with God. Today, though, we take a different angle because we are talking about marriage. Uh, now, I do that intentionally... Because I believe that you can know God in a great way through marriage. And often you come to know God through marriage, through the challenges of marriage. Uh, But at the same time, there are those of us, either we we haven't been married, we remember that, or who are not married now, and we have uh, dreams or visions about maybe what we want our marriage to be, Uh, Or we think about what does God want marriage to be? And so it's highly important in knowing God to know what God says uh, about this primary relationship uh, that is marriage of husband and wife. Uh, Because see, often we can ask God these questions in marriage or even if we're not married. You know, how, how do I know, God, what you want for marriage? Or, or, how do I know, God, that, that I will be married? Or, how do I know, God, uh, that my spouse is really committed to you? Or, how do I know, God, that you are, are using uh, these uh, explosions that feel like nuclear bombs in my marriage to grow me? How do I know, God, that, that I really don't quit and give up? How do I know, God, that I shouldn't leave? How do I know, God, all of this uh, in and about marriage. Whether we're in it, whether we're not in it yet, whether we dream about it, we need to know what God says. Now, one thing I also want to say as a preface is, you know, I have done this, I've been guilty, and we all do it. It's very easy uh, to joke uh, and be flippant about marriage. Amen? Amen? Amen. I mean, I do this, you catch me doing it, often in a sermon, I catch it after we get home. You know what I'm saying? I, and I will catch it today. Anyway, uh, but it's very, you know, just like that, you know. I mean, we, you know, ball and chain, you know what I'm saying? Or, um, you know, hey, I've lost my wedding ring. No joking, no lie. I'm a loser, you know. Lost, you know, you can joke about that. Pray for me. Seriously, pray for me, I'll find it. Uh, there's no problems, just lost it, okay? And it's very easy to be flippant about the most important deal. So today, I'm saying that, and I'm coming out here. Please, you know, listen. You know, not like you don't all the time. I know you do sometimes. But listen, focus, take notes. I mean, I, not that I don't do this every message, but, you know, I spend all week praying through, thinking about, I mean there, there's a weight on me that you know I'm speaking to God's people for their lives and, and that is a big weight. So and I know we come in here and, and a lot is competing, but just let's take, you know, thirty minutes or maybe even a little bit less and and listen, you know, to what the word says uh, about this this important deal, whether we're in it or whether we're not in it and you know, Perhaps we'll be, or perhaps not. We need to know what God says about marriage. So, Ephesians 5, and the question is how to have a good marriage. How to have a good marriage. What does Scripture tell us? Hear the word of the Lord, starting verse 21 in Ephesians 5. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. This mystery is profound and I'm saying that it refers to Christ and the church. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself and let the wife see that she respects her husband. I want to do three things uh, here. I want to first kind of break down this passage because there's some confusing stuff. So I'm going to do that first. Then I'm going to break down one verse that uh, in my opinion, so that's not scripture, but in my opinion is the most important verse uh, in this passage. And then I want to give some some practical steps uh, that I've learned, that we've learned, uh, for your marriage or for your future uh, marriage. So, what makes a good marriage? First off, we all need to know, marriage is not the key to happiness. Marriage is not the key to happiness. Many think it is, uh, and many across uh, our world... Uh, statistically, I mean, will be married. I mean, just, that's just a fact. Many, not everybody, but many uh, will be married. And if you talk about marriage, this is key to You don't just like start with husband and wife. you got to start with God. you got to start with God, our God, because God is Trinity. And this isn't a sermon about the Trinity. We've done that before. We'll do it again. But Trinity is Father, Son, Holy Spirit, unity, in diversity mutual respect eternal love self service and giving to one another unity in diversity and the trinity is a picture of what marriage can be what the lord wants for marriage you know our world denies that i mean our world is in the process of redefining marriage or attempting to redefine marriage. But it's been going on, you know, a long time really in terms of the, the covenant of marriage and the importance of marriage. So it has been happening. But people are also, uh, you know, they think married and, and uh, well, it's, there's no passion, okay? Because people, and, and actually another stat is that folks are waiting longer and longer to get married. And so the thought process is, hey, I want, I want passion and I want adventure, you know, before the ball and chain commitment of marriage. Amen? I mean, yeah, I mean, it's the truth. Not, amen, we believe, but I mean, that's the truth. And some of us have lived that. Like, man, I'm going to live it out and then we will, you know, go there. Uh, and we believe, or we have believed, that, you know, there's not the passion and the adventure in the marriage and it's just commitment, and it gets stale and, and boring. Now, this, the interesting thing about this text is what you didn't probably see in it, but it really marries, to use that word, passion and commitment together. It, it does so. So let's, let's start out, again, going through this passage. Verse 21, uh, it tells us, Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. I will say this, that, that's only possible, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ in the power of the Holy Spirit. So Paul is talking to people, to the church, church at Ephesus then, church today, who, are, who have had the Holy Spirit just overwhelm their lives, and regardless of where they feel in relationship to God, they, they are growing in God, and they're saying, hey, I'm going to believe and abide by your word. So out of reverence for Christ, submit to one another as husband and wife. The beginning point. And it has to happen. It can only happen by the Holy Spirit. Go down. Verse 23. Yes, I skipped 22. Not intentionally. We're going to come to that, okay? Verse 23, though. The husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is head of the church, is himself its savior. There is headship. There is headship. Dudes, that would be us. Husbands, that would be us. Headship means there's greater responsibility, which also means there's greater accountability. So husbands, one day, if this doesn't keep you up at night, I pray that it will. We will stand before the creator of everything and answer for our marriages if we're married. We will. That's us. So it's on us, it's on y'all, I don't know if you ever heard it that way, that's the way it is. Headship means accountability. You want the leadership, you want the headship, we got it, and we will speak for it to our creator. So I ask you, and something I've begun to do, you know, as Dobby talked about rise with God, I've begun to pray throughout the day for my wife and for my children. I'll think about where they are. I'll imagine them in their day and pray God's hand on their lives. Think about my children in the classroom. Pray God's hand over their lives. I encourage you, men, husbands, do this deal. It's a great way for God to begin to change your heart as the, as the head in prayer. God works through prayer. Let's get down to 24, and this connects to 22. That's so why I skipped it. As the church submits to Christ, so wives should submit in everything to their husband. Verse 22 again, wives, submit to your husband. Uh, this passage is famous, really famous in a negative way uh, for you know, how uh, women view it or men view it uh, wrongly. Let me say this. This is not inequality. Uh, there is equality. There is equality of worth. The way God sees us as son, daughter. You need to hear this. Equality of worth, not equality of role in this deal. Say that again. There is equality of worth. This is not like they're unequal people or creations for sure. It is complementing one another. I'm going to get into this even more. There is equality of worth. There's not equality of role, though. There's already... We've already talked about that as a head. Now, let me say some things this does not mean, just to be clear. This does not mean slavish obedience. This this does not mean that at all. This does not mean... Let me be real clear on this. This does not mean letting your husband continue in sin. Okay? Because I've seen about that. I've heard that over and over again. So this would mean also... Calling husbands out. Perhaps it's about failing to lead. Failing to be the head. Perhaps it is about, I don't know, I mean, you know, carousing, you know, extremes. Perhaps it is about, you know, not shepherding the children. Whatever it can be, it's not about letting sin go. So, be real clear, it's not slavish obedience. It's not not calling out sin. But what it is, is it's men and women, husband and wife, complimenting each other, complimenting one another. And, and that is real, and that can happen. And husbands can feel that way about their wives, that, you know, you make me better, and that's what we want. There, there's a wonderful story. Uh, I love Winston Churchill. I mean, I love stories about him and ideas about him. Uh, There's a wonderful story about Winston Churchill and his wife, Clementine. Clementine, interesting name. But anyway, so is Winston. So they were at a dinner party, and they wanted to go around and say, you know, if you could live again, who would you be? Someone in the past or, you know, someone in the present. Who do you admire and who would you return to be? And it, it came to Winston Churchill, and he took his wife's hand, and he said, I would be my wife's second husband. I, just, I think it's so sweet, you know, and, uh, and I, I learned from it, now I can't do it because I told the story, but anyway, it's a, I think it's a great, you know, we want to be your wife's second husband, and, and I do think, you know, there's this complimentary deal where, you know, we're working together, and it's rolling, I'll get to this in a minute, but husbands, let me go back to more our role, because this passage is weighted to us as the husband, look at what it calls us to do, three S's here, okay? S words. First, it calls verse 25 sacrificial love. It calls us the sacrificial love. Love our wives as Christ loved the church. What did Jesus do? He died for the church. Love them, love her as Christ loved the church. So there's sacrificial love. Then there is sanctifying love. Sacrificial, sanctifying. Sanctifying means growing in Christ. So a a great question for us, uh, men, husbands, uh, do our wives look more like Jesus because of us? Yeah, I can feel that weight too. It's a great question. Sanctifying love. Are we leading her in growth of Christ? And then third S would be self-love because the Bible says, love her as you would love. Yourself, your own body. Verse 28, 29. No one ever hated his own flesh, but nourished and cherished it just as Christ does the church. So for us, we're called sacrificial love. Sanctifying love. And love her like self-love. That's that's our call. Now I want to break down this one verse. I I believe, again, this is my opinion here, but I, I do believe that verse 31 is the key because it is actually Paul going to Genesis 2, 24. That's the verse he repeats here. So going all the way back to creation, tying how God intended things to be with how he wants them to be in marriage. So verse 31, let me say it again. Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This tells us three big things here. First, God calls us to leave. Again, waited to the guys, to the husbands. God calls us to leave. Now, let me be clear. This is not saying mom, dad, see you in heaven. You know, or hopefully. You know, that's not what it's saying. I mean, these relationships are important. You want those relationships to continue to grow. What it is saying, though, is that this is now the primary relationship. This is the primary allegiance. The husband to the wife the wife is most important. Let me say this. This is really tough to do, uh, particularly in our culture, where, you know, I mean, we all got like, I mean, not everybody, but, you know, everybody at least tries to pretend like it's, you know, it's a good family. You know, we're good families. And when that's legit, it's hard to to leave, however you do it, a good family. It's easy to leave a bad family. But... It's important how you see this. This is, again, it's not mom and dad see you in heaven. It is this relationship now is primary. So, you know, uh, dudes, and I know everybody will deny this, but, you know, it's very true for some. You know, primary relationship is not with mama anymore, uh, or even ladies, you know, and someone deny it. Primary relationship is not with daddy anymore. You know, it's daddy's girl. Primary relationship is the husband and the wife. Also, this relationship is over work, uh, over hobbies, Golf season upon us, deer hunting season, guilty, okay? Over all relationships, this one's primary. God tells us, not me as pastor, God's word tells us, back to Genesis, a man shall leave. And that they shall cleave together. So God calls us to cleave. Leave and cleave. Cleaving is like, it's a covenant. Marriage is a covenant. It's not a contract. Marriage is a covenant. I always say that in, in weddings that, that I'm honored to perform. Uh, and speaking of uh, those weddings, again, you know, culture is trying to change, redefine uh, marriage. But again, they've been doing it for, forever in terms of, you know, how we see marriage, looking at marriage flippantly, and it's, it's people that are not honoring the covenant. And so in that marriage ceremony, you know, a good way to think about it, even if you're married now, is this importance of vows, vows, the wedding vows, the marriage vows. See, often, and, and I'm guilty of this, so often we say the vows, actually, we didn't say the vows, our, our pastor forgot them, but we, we renewed our vows and said them. <laughs> True story, pastor, forgot them, love him, well, kind of, but a good guy, and kind of, you know, you got to say that, but... So the vows, but when we renewed them, uh, you know, we talk about them as present tense. Th- think about this. Talk about like, you know, I'm, I'm not going to call her up here to enact. But, you, know, you know, I, so-and-so, you know, will take you, so-and-so, to be my wedded wife, to have and hold from this time forth in sickness and health, in prosperity and adversity, you know, till death to be part, you know, and there are different vows. But traditional vows, we say them in present tense, even if you don't realize it. But they are future tense oriented. And you really get this. Think about it. You say it like it's in the here and now. No, it's not. See, the key to understanding marriage, and I do say this in, in wedding homilies that I pray I never forget vows, but it could happen. But what I'll say is love is not a feeling. It begins as a feeling. Love is a choice. And so in those vows, the vows are about the future. The vows are about, I I don't know what will come, but I am choosing to stick with you. I am choosing to be there, come whatever may. And I'm choosing in sickness, in adversity, in bankruptcy, in cancer, in miscarriage, in family members losing their lives, in spiritual depression, in adultery. It's future tense, and I'm choosing to stay stuck with you. Totally changed the way you see the vows. Totally changed the way you see marriage. So God says to leave. God says to cleave. Then God says become one flesh. Become one flesh. Now, to be clear, this is a lot of things. Becoming one spiritually, becoming one emotionally, becoming one physically. And let me say a few words about sex, okay? So wake up, okay? Talk sex. Here you go. Head's right, guys. What was that? Yep. Just a few words, you know, it's, it's PG. I'm um, like, dang. Anyway, some, some, some dudes, a lot of y'all are like, I didn't know where he's going with this. Okay, it's okay. Now, you know, the most, the most intimate thing. Physically, obviously. But it's, it's the fusing of souls. It's the fusing of souls. And God reserved the beauty and intimacy of sex for marriage. And here's the deal. Anything outside of that, any sex outside of that, creates division, disunity, confusion, perversion. And that's, that's just the truth. You will not hear that in our culture, in our world, or probably in a lot of friendships, and maybe in relatives. That's the truth. And so, he wants us to be one, and this is what was reserved for the beauty and the power of marriage. And, again, when we don't do that, things, things just will, will go astray. And I'm not, talking, I'm not even talking about adultery in marriage. I'm talking about before. I'm talking about... Whenever that is not the case, there, there's confusion. There will be confusion. There will be division. It's interesting, Genesis 2.25, Paul writes Genesis 2.24. Genesis 2.25, you know, you always think about it, it's a verse, like, thrown in here. Man and woman, Adam and Eve, were naked and not ashamed. Like, why? You know, didn't really need to know that. You know, I mean, I read it. That's a, a little too much information. Here's another way of looking at it. Because it, it was right at that point. Genesis 3 hadn't happened yet. So it, it was right. It was good. And there was no shame. And whenever, you know, you go outside of God's plan for sexuality, there's shame, uh, feel dirty. And so there is physical oneness. Now, I, I'll say this. Oneness being one is more than sex but it's not less than sex. It is emotional. Uh, it is spiritual. It's in every way. The Lord lays it out right there. Uh, one thing I'll say further before I get into just some practical uh, some practical things is C.S. Lewis uh, wrote a lot about marriage. And as C.S. Lewis always does, he just had a wonderful way of illustrating it in a just simple and really concise way. And he talks about marriage as a dance and this beautiful... Beautiful dance. And, you know, for me, look, I can't dance. But it, think, about a, think about a ballroom, you know, dancing team. And I, I've watched, you know, some of that. And, I mean, not Dancing with the Stars, but, you know, some of you do. But a really great, just great ballroom dancing pair. And it is it's beautiful. And he, he talks about marriage. That that, that's what marriage is to be. And think about you You have a lead, but both are contributing. And not that I'm going to try to dance up here, but both are, you know, moving and responding to one another. And there is one. There's unity in that in that diversity, and that makes sense to me. So uh, let me say this: uh, We have had so we, as my wife and I, been married, going on eleven years. And I mean, there it's you know roller coaster ride, uh, good seasons, challenging seasons. Uh, we've learned a lot. Just g- going into marriage uh, w- was a tough season. Uh, totally honest. Tough season where we learned a lot and didn't know. Learned about each other. Learned about how to do this deal. And, and I remember I would look into God's word. And sometimes, I don't know about you, but you know, I, I would get frustrated. Like, why does it not say more about these things that are important? You know, why doesn't God say more? And I'd, I'd leave this passage. That's great, but why does it say more? And, you know, I'd look to uh, marriage books. I'd look to things to, to try to get help. But one thing I have learned, this is all you need. I mean, this passage. For marriage, in my opinion, is all you need. You're like, right, I mean, there, there are rows and rows of marriage, books. go to Lemuria, Barnes & Noble's. This is all you need. Because, I mean, it, it says it clear, plainly. And so I, I, I encourage you. I'm about to give some practical tips. And here's, what, here's the reason I'm saying this. is because probably some of you are, are going to remember these tips, and I hope you write them down, more so than the biblical passage or the verses. That's just kind of the way we roll as human nature. This is most important. Read this again. Have it seared into your mind. Go deeper into it. Uh, know what Paul was saying. If you need a commentary, I got a, I got a clear one for you. We'll, we'll go into this more. So, I'm going to share some stuff we have learned uh, just in marriage, also in counseling. Let me just say this. We go to marriage counseling. I recommend it to everybody across the board. Whether you're in a low rut, whether you're on a peak, you know, it, it is... It's been great. It's been great for me personally. It's been very good for our marriage. Amen? Amen? Amen. There you go. Okay. So so here's some practical things that we've learned on marriage. First, I I got five. Five for husbands, five for wives, or five for men, you know, if you're not married. Five for women, uh, if you're not married, to think about. So let's start with with the men. For husbands, these are going to be up on screen. Uh, encourage you, if you want to, take notes. First thing for men, grow holistically. So when I say grow holistically, you know, grow in every area of your life. Uh, grow in your mind. Grow with your body. Grow spiritually. We talked about rise with God. I believe in small groups, what we call B groups. You know, I, I wish this was all you needed coming to church. You need a group. Grow holistically, men. Uh, even get a hobby. We need... Releases. Uh, I mean, not saying go deer hunting all the time, or go, but you know, we need hobbies and interests. Grow holistically. The next one I would say would be be concerned with your wife's growth. That question I asked earlier, um, is your wife becoming more like Christ because of you? This passage also talked about bathing the water of the word the, uh, in baths in the first century, uh, it was not like a Cialis commercial, okay? It was more like you were really, I mean, for, it, it, was, it was like dirty, grimy. You were cleaning out real wounds and, and really like going deep. Be concerned with your wife's growth, okay? Honor who she is. As in like, man, she has gifts and graces and abilities and personalities that are wonderful. Honor that. Uh, a great example for us is, man, I, I, I really, sometimes I don't have a clue how to discipline the kids. I mean, they're you know, like too hard or not enough. And, and my wife does it in a fantastic way. I mean, sometimes guys, husbands, let them lead where they're gifted at. Let, let them lead. Give her time and attention forth. Too often, they get the leftovers. It's just, it's truth. I get leftovers. Uh, I have real sympathy, too, for demanding jobs. Because, I mean, a pushback, y'all, some of you dudes are pushing back in your minds already. I have real sympathy demanding jobs. You just got to figure it out. I mean, you just got to figure it out. Don't give her the leftovers. Last four dudes is know her love language. Uh, a guy named Gary Chapman... While back wrote this on love languages. It's really good stuff. Everybody's got like two or three. The love languages are words of encouragement, acts of service, giving of gifts, uh, time, and physical touch. You know? Do you know your wife's top two? Probably not. The majority know those. Okay, know those. Real quick, four wives or four ladies. Okay, uh, be a woman. Of strong character whose identity is in God. Here's, here's why I say that. If, if you're insecure in that, uh, your identity will either be in your husband or what your husband thinks of you. If you have strong char- character, your identity is in a child, a daughter of the Lord. Okay? Pay attention to how you talk about your husband. Seriously, pay attention to how you talk about it. Too often, you know, and this this has happened, you know, I mean, to me and to many guys I've seen, you know, it is jokingly, it is flippily. oh, you know, he didn't do that, or oh, you know, you know. It, it's joking. Talk well of him. Talk well of your husband. Third, tell him thank you for his work and his growth. There's something that's just intrinsic about work for us. I mean, it is. I mean, it's just, it's how God has wired us. Do you tell your husband, thank you? Do you tell your man, thank you? Thank you for working hard. Thank you for working for us and for his growth. If he, you know, if he begins to rise with God, hopefully he is rising with God. If he comes a group, thank you for being intentional about your growth. Make intimacy a priority, emotional and physical. Getting amen there, dudes. I thought I might come out or hallelujah or like there we go or hey, like hey man, I have my reservation. I'm joining now. You know. Anyway, so okay, there we go. Okay, okay, enough, 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 too much. So here's the deal. Uh, you know, read First Corinthians seven. Can't get into that. Our bodies are not our own. It's interesting. And God reserved intimacy into this beautiful deal of marriage and to be one, spiritually, emotionally, physically. And it's, it's another thing, something we got to figure out, okay? There's a Mars-Venus deal, men-women-wired different. Got to figure it out, guys, gals. We all got to figure it out, okay? Last one, relate to your husband as friend. So not as a child, uh, not as a, a parent, uh, not as a business partner, as friend, as, as best friend. Uh, these are some things that we have learned uh, and I've shared. Again, I want to stress, though, sometimes you remember that more than God's Word. And one thing I've learned is this is all I need. And I've gone over this passage over and over again. And I've seen God in this. And I've risen with God in this. And we can, too. Marriage is the greatest challenge we face. It is also the greatest opportunity for growth. And closing out you know, this, uh, this passage, Paul says, This is a mystery. Yet it refers to Jesus and his church. Jesus gave himself up for his church. And that's not just the church in Ephesus. That's us. So what we can do now to begin to begin a vision for marriage, to renew marriage, to recommit, is to say, Jesus, come into my life. My life. Jesus, come into my marriage. And as Jesus gave himself up for us, we can say, Lord, I give you my life. I give you my marriage. I give you my marriage plans. I give you my dreams. Do with them what you will, and He will. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this beautiful gift of marriage. But I thank you for people, people who are husbands or wives, who are not married, who are young ladies, who are. Wise ladies, young men and wise men, and just in this walk, in this journey, you've called us to be your church, to walk together, to live together. So I do pray for the visions and dreams. I do pray that none of us would ever know or feel that we are alone because we're not in Jesus Christ and that we would give our lives to you. And in doing that, you would change our lives, change our dreams, change the marriages, that we're in. In Jesus' name, amen.